are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning in here today on the Steve Day Show podcast edition for Westwood One. You know, the show like Alex Jones. At least that's what Stitcher keeps comparing us to. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. People are sending me screenshots now of, if you like the Steve Day Show, you may also like Alex Jones. (laughs) Screw you, Stitcher. Yeah. In the strongest possible terms. And the horse you rode in on. Okay. Nonetheless, if you're listening to us on Stitcher right now, please quick, please click subscribe. That does help us to get the word out, as well as on iTunes as well. We do appreciate those of you that have already done so. If you have time to leave us a positive review, we would appreciate that too. If you've already done that, we thank you for that as well. So thank you very much. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. This podcast is made free for you, the people, because of our benevolent overlords at CRTV. Let's give a quick little shout out to them because we just wrapped up production for today's CRTV show. Todd, what do you want the audience to look forward to today at CRTV? Well, there was a moment where I kind of wish uh, Aaron had the ability to do a tight shot on my face and like a single tear rolling down my cheek uh, when you just said something really kind about me. And that was a special moment. I just want you to know, it it did to me what Luke Skywalker transporting his essence across the galaxy to confront Kylo Ren did to him. I'm I'm basically spent right now. (laughs) I'll bet you are. Aaron, what stood out to you? Oh, boy. Lots of good stuff. The the, the CR roundtable on... um, (sighs) Democrats will screw this thing. Screw up this thing, I should say. By screwing this thing. Yes. yes. Cue the single tier again. Yeah. yeah. They're going to manage to do it somehow, some way. Even if if Trump runs out of stuff like peace in North Korea and ending the Iran deal, even if he runs out of stuff like that, he can just tweet. He can just trigger them all day. And like I said on the show... Uh, tweet something uh, like five, tweet about something that that is triggering to leftists five days in a row, and boom, there's another liberal progressive leftist campus that's uh, in tatters on fire right now because they just can't even with uh, with things that don't affirm them. That's that could happen if Trump if Trump wants to. Indeed, and I loved it when Chris Pandolfo said, "Man, I do this roundtable on here once a week for months, and this is the first time you guys have ever had an even optimistic topic." Don't push it. Yeah, but his analysis was dead wrong on that. We're right about this because we're pessimistic. I tend to agree. Total depravity. We're not rooting for the Republicans in this. We're just sizing things up as they are. It's it's total depravity. As my feet don't fail me now, it has come (laughs) through. At every time, I cannot think of a time. The total depravity did not deliver. It is, it is right as rain. It's as certain as gravity. 
is total depravity. Well, if you want to watch our show today on CRTV and you're not yet a subscriber, today's a great day. If you use my name as a promo code DACE, you will get a discounted subscription and you get a trial period that if you don't like our stuff or any of the other shows that we do every day at CRTV from Mark Levin on down, if you don't like any of our stuff at all, you don't think it's worth the money, cancel before the trial period is up, you won't get charged a thing. But if you do stick around, it costs you just a quarter a day. It's actually like 23 and a half cents. All right, but it's just a nice round number. A quarter a day to be a subscriber to CRTV and, and not just get our show, but all of the other shows that are actually good that we produce each day at CRTV as well. CRTV.com, promo code DACE if you want to watch our show today and all of our other shows at CRTV as well. Well, let's get to it. It is a Theology Thursday. And gentlemen, I'm putting you on the spot this week. I just wrapped up my two years teaching uh, worldview to high school homeschooled kids here in Des Moines. And there's a big co-op of homeschoolers that have uh, a weekly school at one of the largest churches here in Des Moines. And I have taught the the worldview class for the last two years, worldview one and worldview two. And um, because of some changes that we'll be uh, announcing soon that I think will make everybody very happy. I, I could not return to do this again next year. So this was my parting shot with these students. And when I started teaching, uh, the requirement I had is I wanted them to be at least sophomores because we were going to deal very honestly with sexuality, even with my oldest daughter in the class, especially with my oldest daughter in the class. We were going to deal very honestly with sexuality because frankly, I saw no way we could address a comprehensive biblical worldview without the topic, since sexuality is really ground zero of every, of virtually every worldview clash we are having domestically as a people right now. Indeed. Sexuality is ground zero. It's, it's, it is the, the eye of the storm. There's just no way around it. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you do a lot of, I don't know about you guys, I did a lot, you, you do grow up, there's certain stages in life where you do seem to take huge leaps in a year or two. I mean, the difference you have in maturity from 14 to 16, for example, the difference from where I was at 21 to 23 or from 30 to 32, you can, if you hit certain stages in life, depending on what's going on around you, you can, you can look back and think, man, I have really, I'm, I'm, I have a dramatically different perspective on life than I even had a couple of years ago. So I, I, you know, and sometimes with homeschooled kids, you know, they're not nearly as sheltered as the stereotype, but they are protected as a general rule. And you don't know sometimes you get a kid who's a high school freshman, he's 13 or 14, and he's, and sometimes homeschoolers, you, you, because of the way homeschooling works, you can be a high school freshman at 12 if you're smart enough. Your parents just keep giving you the next class of work. You know, you have some kids might be a freshman in high school and they just hit puberty like last week, you know, and so maybe not quite ready to have some of these more adult conversations. But we get to 15, 16 years old. My mom had me at 15. And I've always told our kids that we've taught in these classes the last two years that if you could, if you're between the ages of 15 and 18, if you have someone of the opposite gender that consents along with you, you could walk out of here and go make a child if you wanted to. And if the creator of the universe saw fit to give you the most adult responsibility possible on this planet the power to create life and if he saw it in his wisdom to give you the biological power to do that then he sees you as an adult basically and so guess how i'm going to treat you like an adult and so we just had our final class last monday and it was the end of the year exam 20 true false questions 
that are a compilation of everything we've covered in this worldview class over the last year. And I get numerous emails from people, hey, Steve, send your curriculum, send this or that. Guys, I'm not being flippant. Our curriculum was really the Bible. We just went through the scriptures as much of it as we could. We started in Genesis and we got all the way to Acts. And I just, whatever was the reading in class that week, I just took contemporary applications and we did lectures or I gave them a topic to debate as a class, you know, so I didn't have a formal curriculum. I just, I don't want to be that guy, but I, I just used the Bible as a curriculum. That's Do I look like a guy with a plan? <laughs> yeah, I just, I figured, dude, someone already wrote the greatest bestseller of all time. Why in the Sam Hill am I going to waste my time coming up with a curriculum? Right? What's going to write something better than that? Okay? So I want to give you two the final exam I gave to my students on Monday. Cool. 20 questions, true or false. All right? So the way we're going to do this... Is there like a, like a hole under my seat that I fall into if I don't pass or yes, anything like that? Yes, probably. Okay. Yes. Let's determine right now, because we, we are Protestants. We don't know how this purgatory thing you guys believe in works. So... If you get these wrong, I mean, do you like, can you like call your shot? Like how many laps on the Sin Master? If I get two wrong, that's, that's one eon. If I get five wrong, I'm down there, you know, for, that's another eon. How does that whole thing work? What's the, what, how, I can't who call, applies no, it? You, you can't, can't call you your own punishment? You call your own so exact it's not like when shot Nana, there. It's not like when Nana used to say to us when we were kids, go outside and pick your switch. You don't get to do that in purgatory? No. no, I don't. Okay. Well, not to my knowledge, but you okay. can do things here to modify whatever it is in purgatory. Okay. All right. Okay. I guess I'll just leave that up to you then. <laughs> what you just told me it wasn't up to you. That's too much responsibility for me, though. I don't want it. All right. Here we go. So I'm going to give Aaron, you get the odds. Okay. Todd, you get the evens. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yep. Question number one. Remember, these are all true faults. Christ is already sovereign over creation even before his second coming. So live as if Jesus is Lord of all now. True. That is correct. Todd, number two. It is permitted for Christians to take up local customs, traditions, and pursuits that aren't meant to be religious, provided they don't specifically conflict with God's word. That's true. Okay, correct. Aaron. Sola Scriptura doesn't mean there's no truth outside of God's word. But if anything from the world attempts to challenge the truths revealed in God's word, it should be rejected by believers. That is true. Correct. Number four. In the New Testament, Christ didn't teach social justice was the best way to confront the question of evil in the world, Todd, but that human beings needed to repent of their sins before a holy God in order to escape facing eternal divine justice for the evil that we bring in to the world. That seems to be a perfect elevator speech for your worldview class that is undeniably true. Number five, Aaron, correct? Christ is the God who orders the Israelites in the Old Testament to wage war, to purge the homeland of pagan and idolatrous nations and religions. He is God from beginning to end, not a hippie philosopher, and therefore reverentially reverentially fearing him is wisdom. That is true. John 1. Number six. Brief aside, what was your... Coming into this, a lot of this, I'm sure, heads nodding and they just kind of grew in that truth. That one right there 
sense of Christ as God. Christ is behind uh, what happened mm-hmm. uh, in the harshest parts of the Old Testament. What was their, how did they consume that? How did they react to it? For most of them, you could, because I began this lesson by discussing the Trinity first, and then said, similar, I made a very Paulian argument. I may, I, I pronounced the the preponderance of the evidence, and then with with the and therefore, okay, I didn't just go right here. I didn't make them confront the full ramifications of what exactly that meant until we defined and defended what that means. What what that what if 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 the book of this is why we've had these trinitarian conversations in the past, and so I, I will reiterate because it applies to this conversation. If for you to have a non-Trinitarian view of Christianity means you have to essentially take two books of the New Testament at least and throw them out. You have to take the Gospel of John and throw it out, and you have to take Colossians and throw it away. And then there's numerous references in other scriptures you have to ignore and throw away too. But at the very least, you have to begin by taking one of the Gospels and one of the epistles completely out of the canon and saying that book is not in the Bible. And then try and take several other verses and explain them differently other than Christ is God. And so once we, once we, once we, once I made the intellectual case for the Trinity, then, then the, the soil is tilled. And then you can say, therefore, if that's the case, understand what that really means. Okay. God didn't just decide, let's be nice now. He is the same yesterday, today, and, the, and forever. And so the same, the same impulses and instincts and characteristics that drove God to say, these people have so turned their back on me in this land. You're my urban renewal plan. Is the same, are the same characteristics, instincts, desires, behaviors, heart of God that had him go to the cross and say, Father, forgive them for they not know what they do. That answer your question? Yeah, it's just such an and, awesome paradox. That and they I re- never, a lot of them hadn't even thought about it like that. Right? Yeah. Well, that's what paradoxical thinking is. I mean, it's, a, it's always a slap in the face. Aaron, number six is for you. No, it's me. I think. Oh, is it you? I just, okay. I just had a follow-up. Okay. Yeah. Sanballat and Tobiah are the pagan troublemakers who show up to try and thwart Nehemiah rebuilding the foundation of Israel. And you can expect the same kinds of people to show up in your life if, when, you try and do the same. Well, since this show was the cheat sheet for that question just, what, like two weeks ago, the answer is true. Yes, and what I wanted to show them was these are archetypes. These people actually lived, but but they have have gone on living throughout the course of time, okay? Um, You know, for example, you might know them as Joe and Mika in our day and age. (laughs) Did you like that? (laughs) Took a second. Oh, yeah. You know, I felt so bad. One of our loyal listeners who we, who gave me a sterling recommendation for my poll analysis ability, you know, because I and I I had to own up to something this morning. I'm like that. Actually, when I when I was quoting Democratic internal polling on my Twitter account last night, that that wasn't their internal polling. I was joking that CNN's polling is Democrat internal polling. It's just such a bad joke that like nobody got it. It went over everybody's head and they just totally took me literally. I just did that to you guys with Joe and Mika. And I waited, I waited. It was like two and a half seconds. You guys were like, oh yeah, I totally get that now. But for a second, I, I had Micah in my head. I'm like, where did Steve just go on this? And uh, I got it. Um, number seven, Aaron, 
Even though Esther had free will to choose to perform God's will, God did not leave the ultimate fate of her people in her hands but his own. So you should also take comfort that God can carry your burdens as well if you're obedient and put your faith in him instead of yourself. That is absolutely true. Correct. Number Deeply nine. Deeply comforting. Amazingly comforting. Number eight for you, yes. Todd. Keep in mind, my daughter's in this class, Okay. The God who created the clitoris isn't trying to restrict your sexual gratification, but guides you on how to avoid destroying yourself and others with it. True. Number nine. One thing I talk to these kids a lot about is in this day and age, and I even told them in our last day of class, whatever you right now think sex is, however awesome you think it is, I can promise you it is better than you are imagining it is. And and there are reasons men have destroyed their whole careers to obtain it. There are reasons women have wielded it as a weapon because it is one of the most powerful gravitational forces of the human condition. In the day and age in which we live, it'll be very difficult to have a fulfilling marriage if this part of your lives are not fulfilling. You know, there's... During certain times of the year, I have to take the long route at the local mall because right next to the video game store might be, or Barnes and Noble or the movie theater is the Victoria's Secret store. And at any given time of year, they may have a full window insert of a woman who essentially is wearing what uh, strippers make it rain for, okay? And when I have a nine, 10, 11 year old son, you know, I've, he's already I've, at ten and eleven. We already taught him what the birds and the bees are, but we're, he's probably not at a stage to truly yet recognize the full meaning of what that really means. And yet, this is the culture we all grow up in, and the dysfunction, the the the, the expectation level. Have these convert when you're dating, when you're courting. Have these conversations going in. Have them going in. I'm just telling you. And my wife will tell you because this is what she does when she's not at home with our kids is working with couples on this. There's so many stressors and strains in a marriage. So many things pulling at you from consideration of kids, in-laws, world events you may disagree on that blow up into household you know, fights, bills, the economy, lost jobs. If, if this is not something where intimacy can be renewed, where it's almost like a sanctuary, where there can be like a reconnection, like a control-alt-delete, it's marriage is tough already. It's going to be a lot tougher, a lot tougher. Number nine, all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Aaron, as atonement for their sins will be saved, whether you agree with them theologically on everything or not. I am the true. I am the way, the truth, the life. Todd, number 10. There is salvation outside of Christ. Therefore, God sacrificed his son for nothing. False. Correct. Aaron, number 11. Facts care about your feelings, and anything that offends you, precious snowflake, can't possibly be true. That is false. Number 12. Popular phrases and terms today, like the lesser of two evils. Whoa, I almost kicked my microphone there. God helps those who help themselves. And self-esteem, Todd are taken directly from the Bible. <laughs> False. Aaron, number 13, is a sin to not vote Republican. True. 
Todd, 14. It is a sin to vote Democrat. You might need to clarify he was joking. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was pretty obvious. It is a sin to vote Democrat. Uh, false. I mean, it could be. But how do you know? This is what I explained to them. How do you, you know, just as the left has taken over all of our cultural institutions, what's to stop one of us one day of just deciding, you know what, the Republican Party has become so far left. I'm in a pretty conservative district here. It's run by a rhino. I'm just going to run, go win the Democratic nomination, get all the Democrat votes just by being the Democrat on the ballot, splinter off enough of the Republican votes I can, and I'm just going to go in there and just be... I'm going to do yeah. to the Democrats what the left has done to the Republicans. What's to stop somebody the, from doing something like that spirit, in the future? You're, you're right. The spirit I took that in is you are a sinner because you are a Democrat. Yes. Yeah. Right. And the answer is false. Yes. Number 15. It is a sin, Aaron, to not vote at all. That is false. That is false. There may be a terrible choice. You know, I mean, someone, think, someone comes into your home. It's pretty likely. I think we know that. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You know I don't need to... <laughs> We did that there show. Maybe I don't think you said that the with a straight face. Yes, like I was going to give you this dramatic <laughs> hypothetical, but like it's already happened. So let's just all move on. <laughs> Number sixteen: No resurrection of Christ, Todd. No Christianity. Oh, true. Yeah, true. No. Number seventeen: Aaron, human nature, including your own, is not basically good. So seek after God and His Word instead of your own good intentions or the common good. That is true. Eighteen. God desires an individual relationship with you, Totters, and no matter how bad you think you are or how many bad things you've done, and there's no sin God can't forgive. Thank God that's true. Number 19, even though if we repent, God spares us eternal condemnation for our sins, Aaron. He is still a God of justice that will permit us to suffer earthly consequences for them. That is absolutely true. And the final question, Todd, goes to you. You should actively seek relationships with unbelievers, but only covenant, meaning marry, ministry, business partner, etc., with fellow believers, when at all possible. That's true. So here's why I did this test this way. From the beginning, I, I wanted to teach these kids that the goal of this class was not to quiz them. I didn't want them to learn Bible facts for the sake of learning Bible facts. You know, we have Bibles, Bible bees and stuff like that, like spelling bees, and that's great. My kids have done them before. But if your kids go there and, and get a blue ribbon at the Bible bee and then come home, you know, with rainbow-colored hair and say, you know, I think I might be multi-gendered now, Mom. What was the point of winning the Bible B when you were nine? Was there a point to any of that? You just memorized facts. No life transformation took place. You just memorized facts, and you probably memorized them because mom and dad wanted you to, and you wanted to please mom and dad. And then when you reach that age, uh, as, as Rocket says in uh, Avengers Infinity War, when your sap comes in, yeah. and you don't necessarily care about mom and dad's approval as much as you did when you were five, okay? Um, all of a sudden, that's when you, you find out how much of this was you did it for mom and dad and how much of this is actually what you think and what you believe. And all along, I challenge these kids very hard. What do you actually believe? When mom and dad are not here, who are you? Because biologically, God says you are an adult. Sociologically, you are on the cusp of adulthood. So if you don't know who you are and what you believe now, I can promise you, after you get out in the world on your own for about five seconds, it will put the proverbial gun to your head to make you make that choice over and over and over again. Who are you? 
Who do the people say that I am? What motivates you? What drives you? And so I didn't want to quiz them. I wanted to disciple them. I wanted to prepare them. So what I did is I, I, I printed these up and gave them to every one of my students. And all the questions but five are true. And the five that aren't true, I put asterisks on the test. And as the kids were taking the test, they asked me, why are these five questions with asterisks? And I said, we'll discuss when we're done. And I went through, whenever I give a quiz or a test, I always do this. I go through the quiz and the test with them so they kind of have an idea of where their grades are at, what the answers are. And if they don't like some of the wording, I've had a couple of times over the course of the two years that one of the, one of the some of the times the kids have challenged the way I've worded a question and they've done it so successfully. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, you're right. You win. I should have worded it differently. So I'm wrong and you're right. Because again, we're doing come now. Let us reason together here. That's what we're doing. So what I did is I told the kids to keep this, this test because it isn't a test. This, is, this, this may be the last time I get to see the vast majority of you. And I was once you. I was once most likely to succeed in my senior class. And from there, I went into my 20s. I gained 200 pounds. I was running out of guy's basement infested with ants. And I worked at a place called Manpower that my friends thought for sure was a gay bar, but was actually a temp agency. And if you would have known me when I was 17 or 18, like many of you in this class are, and you would have gone into the future and seen that I'm doing what I'm doing now, you would not have been surprised. But if you would have known me at 24, 25, 28 years old, 30 years old, and gone into the future and saw that I am doing what I'm doing now, you would have been absolutely shocked. So how did I get from where you are now to basically being a loser within a decade? How did I do this to myself? And then how is it that God took that person and changed that person into the one that you have seen teaching you the last two years? And I told them what I wanted to come up with wasn't a test This is my devotional that I've written for you as students. These are affirmations. And the ones that are asterisks are false. And so that when you, if you keep your word to me that you will hold on to this, you'll see which ones are true and which ones are false. And what I tried to do is I tried to come up with the 20 themes or dilemmas I think you're you're most likely going to face in this world and in the era in which you are going to try adulting between the time that you're sitting on the other side of this conversation in the seats you're sitting in in this class to the time when you're where I'm at in this conversation and at this stage of my life in this conversation. Because if someone had taught me these things when I was 16 or 17, I would have made with the, with the natural talent God gave me, and I have no problem bragging about the talent God gave me at all. Because ultimately, are you responsible for the amount of talent you have no. Certainly not at the outset. You can develop you it. You can develop they, it. Yeah. You can take pride in how much you've honed it. Right. But, but you know, I, I, have, I, have, I have a divinely given amount of natural talent in certain areas. I know that. And I praise God for those. Those are gifts. So, you know, the, the credit to that goes to the gift giver, not to me. Where I come in is I didn't grow up in a home or go to a school that taught me these 20 things or even any kind of church at all. And so what happened is, I was you guys at your age. All this talent, all this potential. And within a decade, I was a complete and total loser. 
No other way to put it, man. Total loser. I was going to be a waste of all that potential. And then it was only after God got a hold of my life and began conforming me into the image of his son and teaching me these 20 things that I began to finally tap into the potential that he gave me. And if someone had taught me these things at 16 or 17 years old, I would be where I'm at right now. I'd, I would, I'd be, you know, what's Ben Shapiro, about 32, 33 years old? I think so, that's what I guess. You know, if someone had taught me the stuff that, that is in this sheet at 16 or 17, I'm 44. I think I would have gotten to wherever it is I am at with my talent at 34 instead of 44. I lost a whole decade of my life because of the bad decisions I started to make at the age you're at. And why did I make those bad decisions? Because no person can rise above their own worldview. I made decisions behaviorally, digestively, sexually, morally, economically. I made decisions based on my worldview. And the reason my life is different now than it was then is I'm actually doing the exact same thing. I'm making decisions based on my worldview. That hasn't changed. What's changed? The worldview has. And really important thing, just so no one's confused, during a lot of that time, you considered yourself a Republican. Yeah. That's one of the great ironies of this is I'm more conservative than I was at that age and I'm less Republican. I am more to the right I'm probably to the hard, hardest right on the issues I've ever been, man. The more my, my worldview develops, the more conservative I actually get. The more right-wing I get, the less partisan, less Republican I get. And so I made these, I went around the whole class and I looked every one of my students in the eye and I said, you give me your word that you will hold on to this test and you'll keep it somewhere when you face these moral dilemmas that somewhere along the line, you'll look back and remember the things we talked about. You do that. And I'll give you 100 on this test that is triple weighted in your final grade. So I mean, that's obviously going to dramatically alter your score. And then ultimately, if you don't do that, well, you gave me your word. If you don't keep your word, then that's on you and not on me. And so that's why I structured this test this way because it wasn't meant to be a quiz. It was my parting gift, my, my devotional, essentially, that I was giving to them so that they wouldn't turn out like me, but they would be better. If they don't keep their word, uh, then they failed the class. They may have gotten a passing grade. They might have gotten a great grade, but they failed the class. Final thoughts, gentlemen. That, and, and maybe if maybe that's not all they end up failing at, Aaron. Those, well, I, from my own experience, those are the little compromises you make on the way to the big ones. Yeah. Okay. Aaron, what do you think, Todd? Well, th- this was formally a class, um, but mostly what Steve just did there. And he said it several, multiple times. His daughter was in the class. But what he did to all of them, he, he just was a dad. That, uh, a Catholic teaching, uh, the, even with all of the grand hierarchy of the Catholic Church, the number one entity responsible for passing on the faith is the family. And that starts with the tone the Father sets. 
So God bless for you, you did, and I'd be happy to have my children in that class. Yeah. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree with that as well. And um, yeah, I, at the end of the day, this is this is the this is the test each and every one of us face as well. And uh, every every day we're face, faced with decisions, and we will make decisions based on how we see the world. It just depends on what what that worldview is, as you just elaborated a few minutes ago. Well, here's why I wanted to share this test with our audience. We are getting more and more, which I'm happy to see because the very beginning of this year, our number one focus on the show was going to be what? Worldview. Worldview. And so we are getting really inundated with worldview questions. So so many of you have emailed us this year about where you're at in your faith or maybe you, you were struggling or you didn't even consider yourself a person of faith. And now based on some of the conversations you're hearing on our show, maybe you're reconsidering your position. And just as this test was my devotional for my students, this podcast and sharing this test with you in the audience who are at that place in, in your faith walk is, is my devotional to you as well. Because a lot of you want to know, how did we get to where we are? Well, I don't know, I don't know where we are. You know what I mean? I, I have to fight urges on an almost daily basis. You know, that's why Paul said I have to die daily. I wish I could tell you that, you know, I never want to return to sin. That's not true. You know, I'm, I, I'm living out Romans 7 on a daily basis. I'm at, my spirit is at war with members of my own body. You know, inside of me is this spirit that's alive, that has taken hold of my conscience. And it makes plain what is right and what is wrong. But right now, it is living alongside this old wiring that liked doing things the opposite way. It, it's one of the reasons why I think you'll know that you'll notice this as you get more mature in your faith is when you're flipping channels on television and you find something wrong and immoral that used to entertain you, it kind of still does. And you can kind of still laugh at the stuff because that old wiring is still in your conscience. But when you try to watch something that's new, when you try to introduce a new immoral element... Hmm. Your conscience is kind of. You ever, have you experienced that's, this yet? That's really interesting. The new moral element or the new immoral element is like uh, because you don't have any of that nostalgia is not already any of the remnant of what that of, of what those old desires and, and wiring is not. There's no past emotional connection there. You know, so I wish I could tell you I just walk out of here every day and tiptoe between the raindrops, and that is not true. By any go go grab my wife and my kids. If you know my oldest for five minutes, man, she is me in drag. She will cut you to the quick. She will cut you deep, Shrek. She will cut you deep. Now, she is a sweetheart. She sings like an angel. But if you try something phony with her for a nanosecond, she will kneecap you with lipstick and mascara and not even think twice. Because she's exactly like me, just she's a chick. So that's why why I knew I had to be really honest when I taught this class. Because, man, if I built myself up to some sort of mythological persona and then got home, I was going to hear it, okay? Because I didn't raise no dumb wimp. I raised a little girl who's in my own image. She will let you know what's up, okay? And that keeps you accountable. So it's a long journey. 
but it has to begin with a few steps. And then you take a few more, and then you take a few more. And then if you fall, you get back up. And then at the end, when it's over, no matter how many times you fell, if you just kept getting back up, because see, when you fall, what the enemy's going to say to you is, well, since you fell, God can't ever accept you again, can't love you again, people can't ever respect or admire you again, so just keep falling repeatedly and go deeper and deeper into the pit since you're so disabused, you couldn't possibly be forgiven or accepted or loved by God again. Except, you know, when Jesus went to the cross for your sins, he didn't just do it for the sins that you were going to commit after you acknowledged who he was. He did it for the sins you were going to commit after you didn't. And for the sins that you were going to commit if you never did. That ought to blow your freaking mind, what I just said. Ought to blow your mind. That the most powerful being in the universe laid down his life for you knowing how much of a piece of crap you can truly be. Stop and think about that for a second. Knowing how much of a piece of crap other people can be to you. And he did it for them too. That ought to blow your mind, man. Blow your mind. So don't stop getting back up. And then when it's over, even though there might have been some twists and turns and some winding roads and sometimes, man, you really screwed the pooch, bro. And you know what? You got to take a couple trips around the mountain. You got to be spanked a little bit. You got to hit the dirt road. You got to be like Rocky doing chin-ups at some ghetto gym when he was the heavyweight champion last week. You know, you got to come back up through the ranks, man. Got to get the eye of the tiger back. No matter whether that happens or not, here's the thing. When it's over and they put your body in the ground, can the people who knew you best stand up at your funeral and say that you fought the good fight, you kept the faith, and you finished the race? Because I, I have eternal confidence that if the people who saw you at your best and worst can say that about you, then when you have what Luther called the second baptism, when you go into the ground, close your eyes to this world for the final time, and you open them again, and you are now in eternity, I believe the next words you're going to hear are, well done, good and faithful servant. From your maker, your judge, and your savior. Thank you for tuning in here today on our podcast on Westwood One. For Theology Thursday, don't forget CRTV.com is how you can watch our television show today. Promo code DACE. And let us know what you think about what we think. Tomorrow is a Feedback Friday. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.